Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I'm interviewing comedian Sura. Now, she's got such an interesting story. I've, I've interviewed comedians before. Always really enjoy that. Uh, Sura, I saw her at the same comedy club as I saw Todd McComas, which is another guy I had on who's a comedian. And uh, just her, her backstory. Obviously, in, in, when people give their comedy, a lot of them, you can hear just a little bit about them within that comedy. And I was fascinated to hear a little bit more about that beyond the jokes. So Sura, which is part of her actual name, we'll get into that. Um, she was actually born in South Korea. She was given up for adoption. She was actually left at a police station. She had a, um, a hand difference, a hand deformity that I think made her... Um, potentially be put up for adoption she doesn't really know we're going to go into all that but she was adopted by a white family here in the united states we're going to talk about growing up in michigan as someone who is um, of asian descent what that was kind of like um obviously identifying as as uh well i don't know about identifying but growing up in a in a white culture and being asian interesting for sure definitely makes for some interesting comedy if nothing else and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that we're going to talk about what got her into comedy we're going to talk about uh, her other job she's still she's still doing a, another job as well um, but uh, I, I just I was so fascinated to, to hear her story definitely a funny person and of course I got to tell you with any comedian of course there's a little bit of of extra language here than the normal in a, in these podcasts. And then also you've got to take some of the things she says, you know, as comedy. So don't get offended. Uh, there's nothing too, too much in here. She's definitely not the type of comic that's just saying a bunch of vulgar stuff. But bear with us on just a, a little bit of vulgar language and then a little bit of things that uh, I guess if, if we're being too, uh, I guess, too soft about things uh don't 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 get offended that's all i'm saying and uh, i think you're going to really enjoy this one without further ado here is sura i'm here today with sura sura how are you i'm great jackson thanks for having me on thanks for agreeing to join me appreciate it very much if you would let's just kind of put you on the spot right away introduce yourself all right hey everybody my name is sura i'm a new york city based comedian got my start in miami originally from Michigan. What's up? Go blue. And yeah, now I'm currently performing this weekend in Dayton, Ohio. So boo, Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if you can see behind you. I'm in Indiana, so I'm not really a big Michigan fan. So I'm oh, just going to, no. I'm going to, I'm just going to ignore that you said that, but that's how <laughs> you're going to edit that shit out. Okay. Got no, it. <laughs> no, it'll, it'll stay. Yeah. I, I'm always kind of fascinated by people's names. I've interviewed hundreds of people now and when i get a kind of an interesting name i like to just stop at that the thing that i wonder so is it is this at first is this a stage name second is your first name sue is it a last name raw situation or what's going on with sura 
<laughs> Everybody always gets that confused. So Sue Ra is my middle name. It's my legal middle name. It's uh, on my license. It's on my birth certificate. It's really a name. It is two words. So that kind of throws people off. S-O-O space R-A. And um, I use it because, well, it's a lot more catchy than my government name. And it's a lot quicker to fill out when you're doing forms. So I kind of do use Ra as my last name when I'm filling out, you know, non-official forms. <laughs> mm. Just because... You know, what's better than a two letter last name than Ross? So, yeah, um, it's yeah, my stage name. But I also go by it like amongst friends and family is catching on. You know, they still know me by my real name, uh, quote, my real name, um, which is Adrian. Mm. But yeah, Adrian was a little bit too long for comedy. But it started when I was working at the steakhouse and there was already an Adrian that worked there. You know, I worked at the steakhouse in Miami and I guess Adrian's a very popular Latino name, which I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? Uh, let me just go buy something different. And boom, Sura was reborn. <laughs> well, I feel like it works because in your stand up, obviously you talk a little bit about being Korean, but being adopted by, by a white family, it would be a little interesting to have that comedy and be, adrian jones or something like that so i feel like <laughs> sura works pretty well and it, it's it just i don't know it sounds weird to say i'm going to sound like a weirdo right to start but it just rolls off the tongue good we talked uh, we talked a few months ago about you know doing this interview and for like a week afterwards i just kept saying sura sura i just couldn't yeah i know it. it's literally a chant like that's what the marines say they say hoorah but like you know, Sura, it's kind of like, I don't know, people say it, they have fun saying it. So I figured, you know, that'd be good for comedy, right? Uh, but yeah, Sura, hoorah, hoorah for Sura is my Instagram name. People will just automatically say that. So I'm like, all right, there we go. I like we'll it. stick with it. Yeah. And I, I saw, there's not many YouTube clips of you, but I saw one, they kept saying Sora and they were saying Hora for Sora. I'm like, what the hell, how the hell are you saying Sora? Does people mess it up very often? There's only a few letters here. Oh yeah. All the time. They'll say, yeah, they'll, they'll, that was on the kill Tony podcast. And I was mm -hmm. kind of newer in the comedy game. And I was like, I don't know if I should correct them, but nah, <laughs> like, nah it's too rabbit. Say it again. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, people do mess it up all the time. They'll say Sue I'm like, where'd you get the E from? I don't know. Um, but yeah, people will find a way to mess up pretty much any name. So especially one that they haven't seen before. <laughs> Yeah. And that I, so I went and looked at that. Would you say kill Tony? I went and looked at that. And then I kind of just went down the rabbit hole and looked at a bunch of different things that they've done. I, I could never be a comedian. That is brutal. You basically talk for a few minutes and then they just tear everybody apart. How does, <laughs> do you, I mean, is that how nerve wracking is that to, to do something like that? I mean, that was, that's just their thing. Like that's how they mm -hmm. got their clout. You know, they are known for kind of just, I guess, in retrospect, they were pretty nice to me rather than betraying my name. So, yeah, I didn't know what I was getting into when I did that podcast. I just heard, hey, they're filming a live podcast upstairs. This was back when they were at the comedy store and I was doing a mic downstairs and I ran up real quick right after my set. And all of a sudden my name was being called. I was like, oh, OK, shit. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know, you know, how famous, quote, famous they were. 
I was just, all right, cool. It's another chance to get on stage. And then people still like bring up that tape, you know, uh, referencing this moment right now. <laughs> well, it's be I mean, it's frankly, because when I'm when I'm trying to research you, that's the only thing I could find on YouTube. So that's probably that's our material. That's why we keep bringing it up. OK, yeah, well, uh, yeah, most of my stuff I put on Instagram and now I'm getting on TikTok, uh, YouTube. I guess I just felt like I got on too late in the game i mean there's some stuff um on youtube but it's mostly on other people's channels like i have some stuff you know that i do with buzzfeed and world star if anybody <laughs> any of your listeners know what world star is but yeah. yeah some stuff like that fusion tv or whatever no but, i mean i feel like it's kind of i mean i've interviewed other comics and it's relatively common not to have a ton on youtube because you're not trying to give away half of your material before people get there so I mean, I've, yeah, I've, I, <laughs> I understand that for sure. I mean, let's kind of talk about, I mean, I don't want to do no deep psychological dive, but just your story growing up. And then I, cause it kind of is in your act. Obviously you have an interesting background, which always makes for, for good comedy, but talk a little bit about uh, that if you would. Yeah, sure. Uh, maybe I'll find my real birth parents on this podcast. You never know. You might have some listeners in Korea or I do have, have a, a, I do have a, a, a good Asian following because I've interviewed several people just out of chance from the Philippines and they they jump on things. So if they wound up going to the Philippines, you I, we very well may find them. <laughs> well shit yeah so I was born in 19. Okay, never mind. But uh, yeah, um, I was uh, put up for adoption. You know, I'm one of those south korean babies that was abandoned back in the day uh there's a lot of us so shit if anybody's listening and wants to take a blood test that's got some south korean you know blood <laughs> i might find my twin man i saw that one i think it was a documentary about two korean girls they ended up being twins that found each other mm. by doing a video so i mean i know this is a podcast but if you're listening and um you want to take a blood test? Uh, let's go. <laughs> but yeah, I was uh, I was adopted. I was adopted, and um, my parents, you know, they found me and they said okay, and uh, here I am. <laughs> I don't know how far how far back you want to go and um, how much detail you want to get into, but yeah, in my act, I talk about you know I was left outside of a police station, you know, because I think we have a similar law in the U.S. You can kind of just leave a baby there and shit I said okay at least it wasn't the dumpster you know <laughs> they left me somebody cared enough to put me in a place that I'd be found and um yeah my parents uh wanted to adopt another baby they already had my brother so they were like all right we'll get this cute little girl and here I here I came I came to America I grew up in Michigan and grew up in a very white suburban wholesome neighborhood <laughs> Yeah, you said that it was it's really was common at the time, which why was that the case? I guess I don't know South Korean history 20, 30 years ago, but this isn't North Korea, it's South Korea. So I'm just wondering why were so many babies being put up at that time, if, if that's what you're saying? Sure, I think they're still being put up. It's just kind mm. of the culture from what I gather. Like it's very hush hush if there's a baby born out of wedlock, mm. you know, um, a lot of, uh, yeah, just shame involved if you are pregnant without being married first mm. so uh i probably was like you know a teenage teenage pregnancy i'm guessing 
mm. you know, something like that. But, um, I mean, what I do know is uh, my birth mom was beautiful because, like, look at me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just kidding. But, yeah. Um, and then also, you know, there's other reasons, like, if we're going more factual here, like, having a baby with a deformity, too. Like, I have missing fingers, so maybe I was put up for adoption because I couldn't afford the surgery. And girls also are kind of seen like not ideal back in the day. They would rather prefer to have boys. So that's what I've been told. That's what I've read up on. But shit, it's anybody's guess, you know? Maybe I was just a bad baby. So she put me outside the police station. They try to, you know, straighten me out. Who knows? <laughs> who, who knows? You said they couldn't afford surgery. Did you have surgeries as a kid because of your fingers? Yeah, believe it or not, Jackson, what I had done on my fingers was called plastic surgery. So go. I can't say I'm all natural, you know. Like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I had surgery because my fingers were like looking like a duck when I was born. They were all like webbed together. <laughs> mm. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to be a duck as a human. So my uh, parents here, they um, yeah, that was one of the first things I did when I came to America, you know, first I got my hand surgery and then I'm like, all right, I think we'll, we'll make her a citizen now. So boom. <laughs> so, boom. Like so growing up, obviously you, you were basically raised in a, in a white household, a white culture. What, I mean, I, I guess, what was that like? Cause I feel like it probably wasn't so weird for you. Cause that's all that you really knew. But did you deal with people all all these years kind of expecting you to be something that you're you're not? Obviously, you look Asian, but I feel like you kind of are more white in in culture. So what, what's that been like? Yeah, Jackson, I always say like I'm like a, like a California sushi roll, you know, like I look very exotic, but, you know, shit, I'm just imitation crab. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. like uh, but yeah, of course, Asian stereotypes are still following me to this day you know people want to say oh where, where are you from oh yeah you're from korea cool my friends from thailand mm. like <laughs> good story i like i like thai food uh, but that's about it that's all i can go from there but um yeah i mean people you know people are just curious and they don't really know how to express their curiosity so i think it comes out a lot of times in whatever the hell they saw on TV or TV show, you know, because unfortunately Asians weren't really represented well um, or at all much in the media besides the stereotypical roles like, you know, Jackie Chan or, you know, the Asian um, geisha or, you know, whatever TV role that was stereotypical. So if you didn't grow up around Asian people, that's all you knew. And I didn't I didn't really like identify with many quote asian cultural things except for ironically even though being um my parents being white and having missing fingers they still threw me into violin mm. i was like what's that all about guys like i think soccer would have been a better choice mm. but shit so they still put me into violin you know i guess thinking i had something just a natural ability a natural innate Asian ability, you know, uh, my dad claims that I asked to play the violin, but I started when I was three, so I could hardly really talk. So yeah. I think that's a lie. So, <laughs> oh, um, okay. yeah, I mean, and then other than that, like my parents never really put me into like anything, um, like Korean cultural class or anything like that. The only other 
Korean reference I had growing up was, uh, ironically, my grandpa's dry cleaner was Korean. <laughs> mm. So they would be like, wow, you need to go see Mrs. Moon. You need to hang out with Mrs. Moon and learn more about your culture. So she was she was very nice. She would take me under her wing. She would give me her kids old, you know, Korean dresses. So that's where the most influence I had from the Korean culture, you know, um, like, yeah, but I don't think I knew how to eat Korean barbecue until I was like an adult. <laughs> like mm. I didn't know, like, like my, uh, my black friend who lived in Korea was teaching me how to eat Korean barbecue. I was like, what the hell is this? Is this a soup? You know, like, I don't, why are there so many little dishes? Like, mm. what am I supposed to do with all these little dishes? You know? Um, so I didn't know. I thought it was pretty cool though. It was like a all you can eat buffet, like right brought to your table and shit. And then you just kind of have a cookout right there. And, and um, I figured out I was doing a lot of it wrong when I when the old Asian lady, she comes up and cuts your meat with scissors and she starts cooking that shit. And you're like, oh, OK, I'm not doing it right because she's showing me <laughs> like, no, this is how you do it. But yeah, like a lot of the times when we would go out to when I studied abroad in Korea, I studied abroad in Korea when I was in college hmm. and I was one of the only Korean people on my trip that didn't already live in Korea. So when we go out to eat, the waitress uh, would look at me and start speaking in Korean. I just looked just as clueless. I was one of the only ones that didn't sign up for Korean language. So mm. then like my Swedish friend from Europe was taking a little Korean and she would start talking and she would just look at me like, okay, well, that was worthless. <laughs> but yeah. So uh, what was the, I mean, how is the, I guess, Asian culture have, how, how has it been when it comes to, dealing with you not, I guess, conforming. And the only reason I asked that is because I had a secretary several years ago who was Hispanic. Her family was from Mexico. And sometimes I would have people come in my office, start talking Spanish to her, which she didn't speak Spanish. And a lot of times they would get so upset with her just because she looks you know, Mexican because she is, but she didn't speak Spanish. So do you have a lot of Asian people just get angry at you because you can't speak Korean? I mean, I'll never know because I don't understand what they're saying to me after they walk away. <laughs> but they do sound a little disgruntled. Like I've had a few people come up to me on the street in New York and, you know, start asking me questions or saying something. I don't know. Some lady came up to me on the train and I think she was really happy to see me. She said some stuff. And then I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and she she just looked a little bit, you know, disappointed, like um, like a grandma that just. Yeah was she was sad but she could have been telling me she was my grandma and i would never know <laughs> yeah that's but, one reason maybe you should learn korean just so maybe you can finally find this family right uh i don't know i've tried i've tried the uh duolingo and that stuff just looked like all just different types of shapes i don't know i i think i i'm just gonna try to do spanish first before i even attempt to do korean because yeah i just I don't think it's really in the cards for me to learn Korean. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. Well, believe it or not, I didn't have you on just to make you talk about Korean for, for 30, 40 minutes. So let's talk about what, uh, I guess, what made you first interested in, in comedy? Because there's a lot of people that are funny, but that doesn't mean they're actually going to be very good at stand-up. I think that's a huge thing that people, every funny person thinks they're going to be good, and then they go up and bomb. So what made you first <laughs> interested? Wow. Uh, you know what? I think the first tickle I got 
was I was in a sorority in college and uh, we did this competition with a fraternity called Miss Miami. Not the one in Florida, the one in Ohio. Go mm. uh, Red Hawks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, I was the one who represented our sorority for the Miss Miami competition. Mm. And, you know, it was kind of like a, quote, beauty pageant. You know, we would do a talent. We would do a Q&A. We would do, um, I think it was just, uh, what was the third portion? Like, you know, you wear a nice dress, whatever. And every girl that participated in this took it pretty seriously. But I'm like, nah, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to wear a flamenco dress. I'm going to do a rap for my talent. And I'm mm. not a rapper at all. But, you know, it was just like more like a like a rhythmic poem. And then, um, yeah, the q and I just had fun with it. And so that was the first time I like made a huge room of people laugh. I'm like, that was kind of cute. That was kind of nice. I like the way that made me feel inside. So I kind of kept that in the back of my head. You know, I did um, also the like the sorority recruitment sketches. We did like this was back when America ne- America's Next Top Model was popping. So, you know, I was like Tyra. So there was a lot of room for improv in this sketch. You know, I think they made me Tyra because I was like the darkest one in my sorority. But mm. anyway, uh, <laughs> so I did that and I had so much fun with that. And um, I always kind of kept it in the back of my head, but it wasn't until I moved to Miami, Florida. And I was working at this steakhouse and um, I would always make my coworkers laugh. You know, I would just kind of, I would low key roast everybody that came in. It was a very fancy, rich, uh, rich steakhouse, you know, so we would get these, you know, entitled people who came in and was like, where's my table? And, you know, um, clearly bringing in their side chicks and just, you would just see everything at this place. Mm. So I was like, you know what? Um, my manager was like, you know what, Sura, we need to get you on stage. So there was another waiter there that had tried open mics at the Miami Improv. And um, I signed up, brought my 10 people. You know, it was a bringer show. You had to bring your 10 people, which is amazing that I had 10 friends at that time that actually came out and bought the two drink minimum and everything. Mm-hmm. Shout out to those people. <laughs> and um, yeah, I had the most fun with it. I think I went over my time, um, like the first time I went, because I didn't know about the light. Nobody told me about the light. And mm. uh, but it was the biggest high I've ever had in my life. And I think I'm forever chasing that high, <laughs> you know, mm. like I've never done heroin. But I feel like if I did, that's probably close to how it would feel. You know, it's just like my heart's beating super fast. My palms are sweaty, you know, uh, and I'm just talking a mile a minute. But like, woo. So, yeah, that's how it all began. I like it. Well, let's just hope you stick with thinking that's how it feels and you never make sure that's how it feels because that wouldn't be good at all. (laughs) But I want I want to I guess I want to know because that I mean, that's not necessarily a normal story because that's normally the story of somebody who then goes they're funny around their friends and then they go and don't do so well. So how did were you able to without it doesn't sound like you had any kind of like training you didn't go to like a improv school or any kind of comedy training how did you know already kind of how to set up those those jokes to make it good or what are you telling me maybe it wasn't good and you just felt real good about it when you were up there i think the best thing that i was told to do and i 
you know, maybe took it a little bit too much to heart the first time was I told the truth. I told my truth. Right. Mm. You know, I actually talked about like my fingers, I think, um, during one of my sets and, you know, it's a little bit different, you know, not everybody's got, how many do I got? 7.5 fingers. Uh, oh. <laughs> so, you know, that was a little bit like different. Um, cause nobody can really speak on that. So ever since then, you know, just kind of talking about stuff that like, I know happened to me, like it's the truth. So, you know, maybe stretch it a little bit here and there, but yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that was kind of the gist of it. And then from there, uh, instead of just rambling about that stuff, I just learned to cut it up and chop it a little quicker and shorter. So that I think is the key. If you, you know, you're looking, if anybody's listening, trying to get into comedy, that would be my advice, you know, cut out all the bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So how long have you been doing it? I know that video I watched, you said was an er- kind of early in your career and that was 2016, I think. So how mm-hmm. long have you been at it? I've been at it for nine years. Nine so years. yeah. So what year is it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Someone else did the math. Remember, yeah. I'm not really that Asian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I guess what's you're nine years in, so you're, I mean, you're experienced at this point. What's been some of the the best and worst parts of, I guess, being a, a comedian. The worst parts, man. The worst parts. Oh, just, I guess, you know, yeah, trying to stay motivated, you know? Sometimes <laughs> sometimes you have a bad set and you're like, wow, what the hell am I doing? I'm, I'm still bombing at, you know, nine years in. Oh, no, this ain't good. This ain't good. But, you know, everybody bombs, you know, it might not. The definition of bombing might be a little bit different when you get more seasoned, you know, like, you know, when you bomb, like I like may they might still be laughing, but it feels like a bomb because, you know, you left some shit on the table. But yeah, um, you know, that that's got to be one thing. And then but the best part, man, is just, you know, like those little little glimmers of hope you get when you when you kill so you know it's it sounds so stereotypical but the best part is killing the worst part is bombing but yeah man and um i mean comedy's comedy's cool it's it it feel like you know it kind of helps you in almost any situation you run into you know um nowadays like you could take your comedy anywhere right yeah but yeah is this so is this something that you do is this full time or are you still doing the, the flight attendant thing? Because very recently I saw you like up in the overhead compartment in a photo. So I don't know whether that's still something, <laughs> something you're doing or not. If HR is listening, I was just cleaning the bin. All right. <laughs> I just had to get a hands on approach. But um, yeah, uh, no, I both I still do both. I still do both. They go together very well. You know, I always like say like work is sponsoring my comedy tour they just don't know about it you know mm. but uh yeah no they go together very well it gives me enough flexibility to do comedy and man it's catching up like they're both pretty much even right now um doing comedy half the month and flight attending the other half of the month so just trying to keep the flight benefits you know because i love to travel and you know see family and also um come out and do gigs out of town so right now I think I already said I'm a date in. So uh, luckily my, you know, I was able to fly out here and do this gig, which, you know, a lot of the times these smaller clubs, they they'll use locals because, you know, they don't have the budget, which is normal um, to fly a feature out. But because, you know, I got a little perk. Yeah, I definitely um, take advantage, 
you know, everybody takes advantage of their perks at work, I hope. Mm. <laughs> what else are you working for? And so, yeah, um, come out here and, you know, do a little feature spot and gets me more time on stage than it would in New York, at least in one consecutive chunk. Like in New York, spots are usually maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes. But here, you know, on the road, you can do uh, as a feature 25 to 30. So, yeah, it's been cool like that. For sure. And I hope that you're because this is another time where people always think that they're funnier than they are. So I'm hoping you use this opportunity to actually be the one on the microphone in the beginning, because there's so many people I've been on so many flights where the the person doing it is trying desperately to make jokes and it's awful. Are you are you the person that's doing it? I hope you're not. I hope you are. I, I am so boring at work. Uh, <laughs> I am so boring on the flight attendant job. Nah, I just, uh, I do my announcements, you know, like I don't want to, you know, for one thing, I'm a pretty by the book person when it comes to the flight attendant thing, just cause I don't want to mess nothing up there. I don't want to offend nobody because man, it's so PC culture right now. Like mm. I just, yeah, I got to keep it PC all the way, but yeah, no, like, you know, maybe individually, with the with the passengers, I'll you know get quirky, but on the mic, man, I, I gotta keep it. Every now and then, I'll give someone like a birthday shout out, or you know, uh, if it's one of our pilots' last day, I'll you know give him a little thing and make people giggle, you know, every now and then. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't work for Southwest. They're usually the they're usually the comic on the stage in the air so yeah <laughs> but I'm, dis- I'm disappointed i'm disappointed <laughs> so all right how- when you're my flight i'll make sure to give you i'll i'll give you the best i got you know oh, they, there you go it. i guess the question i would have too just to kind of understand how these this comedy thing works one is going to be a little bit about your your set because you said that you know in in new york you get 10 minutes sometimes because of you know the lineup Dayton, places like that, you're able to do a little bit longer. How often are you are you somebody who's constantly putting new material in, trying new things? Or is it something like I'm gonna run with this set for six months and then start doing new things? What 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 is it? What do you do here? Yeah, I think there's a time and place for everything. Like, you know, if I know it's a certain type of show, I gotta just do the material I know quote kills. Mm-hmm. But if you know it's a bar show or um, just, you know, the stakes are lower in some of the shows that you do. Um, yeah, you kind of sneak in the new stuff in between and hope that they don't notice and they still laugh. So, yeah, I mean, you got to just I kind of just got to sneak it in there. And then every now and then it's just like, a if you know, if it's just the show's practically a mic. Yeah, I'll just try all new shit because I don't care if I bomb, you know, it's not doesn't mean nothing. <laughs> but yeah. It's hard. It's hard to do new stuff, but how else we go and build, right? So yeah. Yeah. So if people do see you on a bill. It sounds like you kind of you get all over the place. What uh, what can they expect? What what? How do you define your your comedy? How do I define my comedy, man? I guess I would just say you know it's like a it's like a autobiography with a tickle. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I have some observational material in there, but most of it just stems from stuff from my life. And then hopefully people can somehow relate in whatever aspect, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess hopefully my comedy, I would describe it as uh funny, <laughs> like that's the goal right there, but yeah, 
Gotcha. So. Well, that yeah, that that last part's pretty important. So I'm, I'm glad <laughs> that that's that's a that's a part of it. Another thing, just kind of looking at your Instagram, what are these dating and comedy shows? Are you like telling jokes and going out with the person that laughs the most, or what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, just something that was kind of born out of like need to be different in New York. You know, you can't just. I mean, you can, but just another run-of-the-mill comedy show. There's hundreds of shows in New York all the time. So I was like, you know what? There are a lot of single people in New York. Like, I have a lot of single friends. And I was like, you know what? I think comedy and dating are a funny combination. Let's see what we can do here. So, yeah, I started it about three months ago um, and um, found a venue, Bar 13 near Union Square. Great location. And now we have a sponsor um, filter off dating app that mm. came on board and provides free beer. So mm. shit, how can you say no to free beer? Right. So we got free beer and, um, yeah, I get about six comics every month that are single and they come on my show. They kind of treat it like almost an introduction. If you were on the bachelorette, like, or bachelor, like tell us who you are, your age, where you're from, you know, something funny about you. And then maybe they'll do a couple jokes here and there about dating or what have you. And then they'll go on a live date on stage with a random audience member that mm. the audience member put their name in the bucket and whoever we choose gets to come on stage to have a two minute speed date in front of the entire audience and shit gets wild. Like last month we had two girls kissing. We had a dance off. Like, yeah, we had, we had some things happen. So it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And it just, it's something different. The comics get to work on their improv and um, shit, maybe even find somebody, you know? Um, and then also <clears throat> if they don't want to go on a date with the comedian, the audience member has the choice to just, pick another name from the bucket. So um, it's more just, you know, like a singles meetup, but with a fun, like not a cheesy icebreaker, hopefully, you know, something cool, like different, like a little comedy and yeah. And the, you know, the free beer helps loosen people up. So it's a good time. Do it every, if anybody's listening, that's in New York. I don't know if you're going to get this out, but we do it every second Sunday. Um, yeah. But yeah, you can follow my page for wherever wherever we put the ticket link and stuff and yeah boom there you go that's that's really really cool i, I like the like the idea for sure and, and <laughs> you said that's only been going on for three months so obviously you don't have any marriages yet but has any has anything came of it for for any of these people that you know of i mean i definitely have seen some numbers exchange so i gotta I guess i gotta follow up but hey if you if you go out um, for a whole month in New York, that you're practically married. Like that shit uh, is a long-term commitment in New York. So especially if you live in different boroughs, that's like, yeah, that's long distance relationship right there. But yeah, uh, um, that, that would be funny to follow the couples. Like uh, maybe we should uh, intertwine that in our next, next aspect. If they really hit it off on stage, invite them back next month to see if anything came of it. <laughs> but, yeah. You should. Yeah. I feel like, you know, in those old dating shows, I think that kind of the most interesting thing is when they did have people back and like, how was the second date or blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it's something to, something to consider for sure. So I, I want to ask you too, we just talked about kind of an interesting concept for, for how you do comedy or the events that you do. Have you ever done comedy in a strange place obviously some of these comedy clubs are are weird just in themselves but have you ever had to do comedy like on the 
back of a trailer as it's moving or something crazy? <laughs> well, I think the craziest place I've done comedy was at Rikers Prison. Oh, that <laughs> so, is crazy. yeah, it was uh, it was quite the experience, man. You're just you're just trying to make a bunch of inmates that shit. You don't know why they're there. You're told not to ask why they're there. If they're guilty, nothing. Don't make eye contact. Just do your jokes. So uh, it was a pretty cool experience. Um, I guess they treat the inmates who were, quote, well-behaved for inmates. Uh, <laughs> they treat them to a comedy show. So I got to be a part of it. And um, it's like in their little gym. I'm like, shit, they got a gym. My my school didn't even have a gym like mm. this is nice, you know, mm. and uh, there was only about there was only about 15 inmates. Um, they were women. So we're performing for these 15 inmates and, you know, like they're laughing. And I was surprised because I don't know when's the last time they've been outside. Like, I don't know what's funny to them, you know, yeah. uh, but they they loved it. They were a great audience. And then, um, you know, at the end of the show, we were told, oh, by the way, these were uh high-profile high inmates. They were pretty much, you know, your killers. Uh, you know, mm. I was like, oh, shit. I just made a bunch of murderers laugh. Damn. Uh, I guess I'm not scared to do any show now. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, man. So that's got to be, that was the probably take the cake. <laughs> I would say so. I didn't expect it to be that interesting. So I, I like that a lot. Did you, did you even mention, you know, where you're at or, or, the prison thing at all or did you just give your regular set and just act like it was any other audience shoot did i did i do any you know what i try to do some crowd work um hmm. but uh yeah you can't really roast people there because apparently the culture is if other people laugh or don't laugh like if you if they don't laugh you know you're roasting the wrong person because then that means that person has like you know some mm. uh like cloud at the jail and you know they'll they'll get their ass beat later <laughs> for laughing at them yeah but, well that yeah that's dangerous don't uh don't have somebody laugh at the wrong person then they get beat up later then sura is literally responsible for a, a, a prison beating <laughs> but yeah i think i did uh i did mention yeah being in jail i can't remember exactly what i said but yeah Something about maybe being in a nice, uh, this is a nice gated community or some, you know, mm. shit like that. <laughs> yeah, but. I like it. I think that's really, really cool. So, yeah, how can, I mean, how can people find you? They, they're listening to this. They they want to hear more about Sura. I hope so, y'all. Uh, find me at Hoorah for Sura, H-O-O-R-A, the number four, S-O-O-R-A on all platforms. Yeah. yeah, I like it. And if we what I feel like now I'm giving you an interview question, literally like a job interview question. But if, <laughs> if we do this again in five years, what, what's your what's your goal? Is this something you that you want to transition into full time? Are you more like, you know what, this flight attendant thing? I'm just going with that. Forget this comedy nonsense. Where are we at in five years? Five years. Hopefully, instead of flying commercial, I'll be on private jets. There's mm. there's a go right there, you know. But yeah, man, um, I hope so. I hope I'm headlining more shows then. I'm starting to a little bit, but I hope I'm, you know, a season headliner by then. And uh, yeah, and then next time um, you won't just only find a Kill Tony YouTube. You'll see my Comedy Central, my Netflix. So there, we'll put that out in the universe. I love it. Well, it was been a pleasure speaking with you. I really appreciate your time. 
Thank you so much, Jackson. This has been fun, and uh, best of luck to your podcast. Appreciate you having me on. So that was Sura. Really, really enjoyed speaking with her. Another week of hopefully you could get through listening to my voice. I did not want to mention it ahead of time, and that way you focus on it, but this was a few weeks ago, maybe about a month ago that I recorded this interview. I had a cold. My voice did not sound super, super great. It wasn't terrible, but it's still annoying to listen to on, on editing, so hopefully you were able to... Uh, to kind of get past that and listen to the the interesting story that Sura had. Definitely learned a lot about just, you know, adoption. Learned a lot about the world of comedy, getting into comedy, how people start out. Even a little bit about being a flight attendant. This was just a fun interview. I uh, I really, really enjoyed it. You know, comedians are, are an interesting group to, to speak with just because, obviously, I want to make sure they can be in an environment where they can give uh, you know their jokes a little bit uh, but I also want to ask questions that are serious so I, I really really appreciate Sura and being as candid as she was uh, I, I, I know that uh, you know that's not always that's not always the podcast that, that they're doing um, so I, I really really do appreciate that hopefully you're able to take the the fun parts and the more serious parts and, and really enjoy the, the conversation. Definitely go check her out. Hoorah for Sura. All the links will be in the description. Check us out too. If you're not already following us on Facebook and Instagram, on Facebook, Not Enough with Jackson Huff, go like that page. On Instagram, go follow Not Enough Podcast. Go give us a five star review on Spotify and on Apple. Really appreciate that. Leave a written review on Apple. Even more awesome. But I really appreciate you being here. Next week, amazing guest. Don't want to miss that one. But until then, take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think. Or, hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.